You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. today. Uh, we have had a few scheduling problems and we haven't been able to get together and record but what it has allowed me to do is to go back into our archive which now goes back over I think nearly nearly three years and pick out some of my favourite interviews and what I thought I would do is actually rather than just my favourite interviews I tried to pick out places that was really interviews we did in places that I was really looking forward to going back to. Um, so with that in mind, I have unearthed my interviews that I did with Dan Hearn from Lodden Brewery, and Dan and Suze Hollister at Richfield's Deli, and the interview that we did with Jess Freeland from Reading Museum. And these are all from January and February 2018, so uh, sit back and enjoy the listen. First up, it's Dan Hearn from Lodden Brewery. Um, where are we? Talk us, we're, we're actually in the brewery. We are. Uh, if you can hear any noise out the back, can you tell me what is that noise? The noise out the back today is that we're actually brewing, we're brewing Ferryman's Gold today. We're sitting in the cask store right now, which is probably the most important bit in the whole brewery because it's where we store the beer. I am surrounded by barrels of beer, I could not be happier right now. Uh, you very kindly got us a got us a pint in. What am I drinking? It's called Reading Best. Reading Best. Is that one of your one of your favourites? Yeah, it is. It is. I'm getting a bit older now, so it's only four percent. I don't like. <laughs> I can't deal with five, six, seven, eight percent beers anymore. And it's uh, we actually did it a few years ago because ever since we started, Reading has really taken us to heart, and we've you know we've loved uh, having it as a key area for us. And so we just wanted to say thank you. So we created an entirely new beer, called it Reading Best, and it's gone really well. I, I've, I've had it at a few beer festivals. I really enjoy it. It's quite a, just a quite nice, easy drinking yeah, session, 4%. Yeah, absolutely perfect. I don't want to go too deep for anybody that's not up into their beers, but I don't want to go too too deep into kind of beer mythology or anything like that. We just kind of want to have a chat about what the brewery's about and how it, how it is. So um, I wanted to ask you, um, I just wanted to tell us a little bit about the brewery, when it started, why it started, and, and, and what's happening. And what's going on? So we first we first brewed in July 2003, which is going to be 15 years this July, which is uh, is extraordinary, really. So basically, started because my dad Chris uh, uh, had worked in breweries his whole life. He'd worked at Breakspears ever since he was uh, a 16 year old, and he got to the stage where he said, "You know what? I want my own brewery." And so spent about a year looking for the premises. Found these. It was a these were 300 year old ex cow barns, and uh, you know they look wonderful, but it took a year of, of a lot I of work imagine, yes. to get them turned around. Uh, but it was just kind of, it was on a whim. And actually the reason we did it was just simply because Gordon Brown uh, made it possible for small breweries because okay. he uh, changed the excise rate. So all of a sudden you could open a brewery and only be making 10 firkins a week. And it was actually worth doing because beforehand it was just prohibitively expensive. So that was it. It was the dream of a lifetime for Chris. He decided fantastic. it was time to go. What was it like be, uh, as a young man having a dad who, was, who had his own brewery? It was fantastic. But you know, the funny thing is, is that I was, I was like most young blokes of my generation weaned on terrible Eurofizz like Foster's, like Heineken, all the kind of pap you'd find down at the pub. And I had to make myself like real ale. And I remember over, over a year, I went into pubs. 
ordering out and I chewed it down. It was, I hated it. <laughs> but I was like, no, I've got free beer and I need to take advantage of yes. this. And then yeah. I started enjoying it and appreciating it and the taste and it's I've kind of, kind and of suddenly you were able to afford a nicer car than everybody else because you'd saved all the money. That's and... it, that's it on free beer. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, you say uh, that Reading has taken London Brewery to its heart. Um, when I drove here from Reading, uh, I drove past a little sign that said Oxfordshire. This is the Real Reading podcast, and technically you're not in Reading. So just talk me through how that, how that works and, and as, as a market and how your marketing works around that. Well, we, you're absolutely right. We're, not, we're technically not in Reading. We're about, as the crow flies, a mile from Caversham Park Village, uh, about a mile from Evergreen. But yeah, if you, look out, you know, if you look out to the right in the brewery, that hedge is basically the boundary line between Oxfordshire and Berkshire. Right. But of course, uh, although we might be in Oxfordshire, might not be in Reading, clearly Reading is our key trading area, always has been. We're about five minutes into the town centre with a good run. And ever since we've started, Reading was always the key area, you know, the area we wanted to be in, fantastic pubs, uh, really good camera group, people who were supportive, uh, a great real ale town with a load of beer history. If you think like Simmons Brewery and you think of the big kind of Heineken plants and everything like that, it's got, you know, the three Bs. It's, yeah. a, it's a town drenched in history and it's what we wanted to do. So we say we're Reading's local brewery because we are its local brewery, but we're not Reading's brewery. And it's a distinction, <laughs> yes. but it's one that stays on the right side of it. But we are, I mean, it's clear we're very proud to be Reading's local brewery. It's, it's where we've always focused. Um, got fabulous pubs in there, great accounts where we've been in since day one. And, you know, we're delighted with our association with the town. So what, what's your, what's your favourite pub to go and get a lot from? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I, I love the Allied Arms. Yeah. I love, it's a proper big town boozer. And I mean that in the nicest way. It's a place to go with mates and have a couple of pints. They've always had hullabaloo. Great landlords, great clientele, great location. But there's loads. There's loads I absolutely love. I love the Nags Head. Who Fun- doesn't? Who fantastic doesn't? place. Yeah. I mean, the way that, you know, that they, they've got such an extraordinary choice of keg and cask beer. It's brilliant. And then you've some great ones locally. Um, you know, the Fox and Hounds in Caversham. Yeah. Superb. And, and the thing is, as well, and I, I will say this, is, is I've got to give a nod to the Weatherspoons as well. Because whatever your views are of Weatherspoons as a pub or, or anything like that, as a brewery, they're extraordinarily um, supportive, and they always have been from day one. And, you know, the Barrington Duggan and all the ones in town, the Hope Tap, and they, they've, from day one, have stocked our beer, and they still continue to all the time. So, actually, their support has been, you know, very, very helpful as well. So, just, uh, just for our listeners who are maybe a little bit maybe unfamiliar with the beer, talk me just briefly through cask and keg. So, cask, they're basically, and I don't want to get in trouble with this, it's essentially the same thing in terms of how the brewing process goes. Yep. You make beer, beer only has four ingredients. It has hops, yeast, water and malt. And that's all beer. The difference is, is how it's dispensed. Cask is uh, cask condition, so it goes in generally with the sediment uh, and it continues to condition. Whereas keg comes out pressurised, essentially, hence it's fizzier and it's colder. Craft beer, again, what, you know, not entirely sure what that means, but craft beer tends to come in keg what you'd call traditional real ale tends to come in cask but of course there's massive crossovers between those thanks I think that will uh, help everybody not least me so (laughs) um, it was a slightly selfish question Um, so Get ready as, as part of Get Reading, we recently went and did a, a video at uh, Siren Craft Brew, um, and in, in my mind, they 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 they're a bit different to Lod. I, I couldn't really tell you how, but their beers I think are a little bit more. Uh, they, they they do different beers to to Lod, I, I, in in my mind. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, completely. I love Siren's beers. I think they're fantastic, I, and I, I think I would agree with you absolutely. Yeah, I think it's brilliant, and I think. There's this, there's this ridiculous thing going on in the beer world now, craft beer versus cask beer. And, and at the end of the day, there's good beer and there's bad beer. Yeah. There's 
beer brewed on an industrial scale with scale with poor ingredients servo you know it's 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 dreadful then you've got beer brewed locally or on a smaller scale with great ingredients and it's really good our beer is different to those ours we would definitely be more of a traditional brewery we're constantly trying to our biggest sellers are really traditional session ales although this month we've brought out a really hoppy american pale which is packed full of citrus so we're looking to innovate siren completely different i mean extraordinary beers like like kind of uh tea leaf beers and, yeah. and, and things but it's innovative and it's it's clever and it's 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 really delicious and so essentially it's you know there's a beer for everybody and it, what's great about this area right now is that there's loads of breweries who are thriving and if you go into any pub around here now the choice of beers from local breweries that you get is extraordinary so yeah different brewery potentially a different clientele but you know they're doing great work and i really like their beers Great. It brings me nicely on to um, my question around favourite beers. You, I, can't, I can't come to a brewery and not ask ask a, ask a man such as yourself what your favourite beer was. I mean, let's let's split it into two. Let's say, what's your favourite Loddon beer for a start? What's your recommendation? The one the one that you love. My one would be Ferryman's Gold because I'm a Golden Beer fan. It's our flagship beer. We've had it since day one. It's won the most awards of all the beers we've ever had. Um, and I, I still love it. I love it. It's four and a half percent, golden, easy drinking, lovely and hoppy. So that's my kind of beer. I, I, I appreciate and respect stouts and porters and stuff like that. I just don't really like them that much. It's just a personal yeah. preference. Yeah. See, as I've got older, I've, I'm more on the stout kind of th- side of things now. So uh, I, I'm looking kind of at, at that, and that they seem to, to do it for me a bit more these days. Um, and okay, all right. The second part of that question then: What is your favourite beer that isn't a lot of brewery? What, what's beer? your I'll let you have a couple if that helps okay I will a couple so I mean I love craft new craft beer and I love um, I love traditional cake beers sorry cask beers I I mean I love all beer I mean this is going to sound incredibly boring but one of my favourite beers is like Timothy Taylor Landlord yeah okay because it's just exceptionally good at what he does and when you find it in a pub that keeps cask well it just never ever lets you down that or Otter Bitter from Devon is amazing I'm trying to think. I love a load of... I mean, I love... I tried... Um, uh, and I'll probably get the pronunciation wrong. I tried Omnipolo, which is a Swedish brewery, which has been doing a load of uh, uh, collaborations recently. And I tried one that they did. I'm pretty sure it was them. Um, uh, with, with... And I think... I might be wrong. I'm going to get in trouble with this. But I think it was a collaboration with Buxton. It was called Yellow Belly. Okay. And I tried that recently. And it, was, uh, it just blew my head how good it was. <laughs> so I think in terms of... I mean... It's hard for me to pick because the craft beer marketing is, so, is, is evolving so quickly. It's hard to pick a favourite, yeah. but what I, I, I do love, I mean, I love Citra Hop. So any Citra IPA, anything like that, I'm, I'm, I'm a killer for. So. Okay. Um, I know uh, we spoke uh, about a week ago, and, and um, so you've got a couple of events coming up at the brewery. Um, if you, uh, opportunity to, to sell them to the public. Uh, well, so, yeah, we've got, we've got a few. We've got an open night coming up in, in, in July, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we just throw the brewery open. A bit of taste testing, that kind of thing. Testing, yeah, help yourself to beer all night long, that kind of thing. It's been great, actually. Like, two years ago, we launched a beer club, which is fantastic. So we hold uh, uh, beer club events throughout the year, which is great. Great to get to know you know our local customers and everything like that. And we've got a cracker this year, actually. The final game of the Six Nations, we're showing the England Island game. On, we're using the fermenting vessels <laughs> as our TV screen. How big is the TV? I think that's important. Pretty huge, yeah. We've got the we've got a, a huge, great screen with a projector and everything like that. So just yeah, kind of all the beer you can drink and, and live rugby. What date's that? 
17th of March, St. Patrick's Day. 17th of March on, on St. Patrick's Day. Great stuff. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for being on the Real Reading podcast. Uh, we'll speak soon, no doubt. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers. Was my interview I did with Dan Hearn at Lord and Brewery that was first published on February the second, twenty eighteen. Um, it's a really, really great little sort of country location. Great to get; it'd be great to get out there again. They've done an awful lot of work in the uh, three various lockdowns we've had over the last year, and it'd be really great to get back out and support them. Um, Next up is Dan and Sue's Hollister from Richfield's Deli down on Caversham Road uh, by the Caversham Bridge. Um, Richfield's Deli is, was, an, was an absolute favourite of mine when the old Reading Evening Post Office used to be along Richfield Avenue slash Tessa Road. Um, we used to go there most lunch times, enjoy a gigantic side uh, sandwich and, and have some great... It's, it's moved on since then. They've had an extension. It's, it's, um, it's really come on leaps and bounds. But I thought you might just enjoy listening back to this one. This one is from January the 26th, 2018. Say hello, guys. Hey, guys. Hello. So, Dan, uh, tell us a little bit about the restaurant. Um, you've been here for, for quite some time, I believe. Uh, I certainly used to be a fairly regular customer back when you were a sandwich bar, but just talk us through talk us through the restaurant and what brought you to Reading in the first place. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, here at Richfields, we sell uh, modern breakfast creations based on American-style dishes. Um, we sell some craft beer. We sell smoothies, shakes. We also have a burrito and burger menu. You didn't have uh, craft beer when I was working around the corner. No, unfortunately sure. not. Unfortunately not. <laughs> I also seem to remember uh, when, it, when I used to come in, you had slightly longer hair. I time. did. Yes, I did. But, you know, we've all got to grow up sometimes. Well, <laughs> oh, there's, there's no need. I, I used to, uh, when I used to come in here, it was probably about maybe two years ago, I used to come in for a, sam- a nice sandwich. And, you, and, and then I came back after, after being away for a while, and you'd completely changed. Yeah, um, it, it surprised a lot of people, really, and a lot of people still don't recognise me now. Was so. that a bit of a, uh, a long-term thinking, or was it just an overnight thing? Um, did you lose a bet, Dan? I did it for charity, actually. Uh, which yes, charity was I that? did it for Mind, and I, oh, raised, okay. I raised a good bit of money for just getting a haircut. Let's, let's, let's boast. Come let's on. boast. I raised about £1,200 for, oh, for a haircut, so it's not bad going, <laughs> really, is it? Some, I, I know uh, my wife, when she gets her haircut, it does to cost a thousand well so, yeah yeah you know, you've done pretty well <laughs> um so yes so you obviously richfield started as a sandwich bar I've, I've, I've talked about that a little bit um and it's expanded probably in the last year or so yeah um, was expansion always a thing you wanted to do yeah yeah we always wanted to run a place like this um the sandwich bar was a great little business but you know you've got to move forwards and um we always had a dream of running uh, a nice brunch restaurant where people can come and relax and enjoy their weekends and you, I used to I think I used to enjoy the the baguette with the jalapenos in it. Yes, was, um, the spicy chicken. That's still on the menu still on actually. Good. Still there. Not a secret item. No, no, it's a winner. It's still there. It's still there. Great. Yeah, but um, yeah, the expansion was always on our mind really, and um, I'm glad we did it. It's been a really strong year. And, good. Um, and any yeah. any thoughts on the year ahead? Uh, any anniversary plans? Uh, I don't know about anniversary plans, but we're going to tweak the menu a little bit, um, try some new dishes out on our lovely customers, and uh, we might be thinking about opening a second shop. But that's very exciting it is exciting but it's exciting. early days yet so no you can't give me any space. no no that. clues at the moment okay okay i'll keep an eye on the planning <laughs> please application. do yeah hey suze hey um we were talking the other day uh, about um 
criticism and online criticism and it's certainly something that we on the podcast are going to have to think about getting used to and we were talking about uh, online reviews and you had one the other day from I think you said Edible Reading that's right yeah and how, how did you feel about that well it was great because it was on Christmas Eve when uh, we read the review and it was a great Christmas present because it was really positive and we uh, we really enjoyed reading it it was um it's always nice to have such a, a lovely response about what we've created here. Um, I think that we always take on board what people say, so but it was a really long review, which meant that we could we could definitely scrutinise and work out from it, you know, what we're doing here and how we come across as a business to people. But all in all, I think it was a very good review. What did you take from it? What was the big? Is there a big change that you want that you're going to make, or is it is there something that really rang true? Um, I think that uh, all in all that. What, what sort of business that we've created, um, I think that Edward Reading really picked up on what we were trying to do here, which was create a, a nice environment, um, and, the, and he really liked the food. So that's, to me, well, the most important the thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, it really is, and that's what he came to, to, to see. And, you know, our service, of course, is um, just picking up with different staff and things like that, so we were away at the time. Okay. So to actually get the review when we weren't here and to have such a positive response was really nice. So what, what's it like when... Uh, when it pops up somewhere on your email or on Facebook and it says review Richfield's review what does that feel like is, well, it, is it scary because um, you, you can help me here because we haven't I've only had a review from my mum and so so far so um, you know I'm, uh, we've actually been quite blessed. I think people do say really nice things about us here. Like our trip advisors are really, really positive and very good. Of course, all feedback that we take on board, um, you know, means that we can improve the business, and that's always great. So whether even if someone's criticising something, I, I do remember that he said that the, there was like amateur staff. But I thought that was kind of cute in a yeah. way because we're starting off and we are an independent place. But um, just all in all, I think that he enjoyed his experience here from Edinburgh Reading, so that was great. And it really did make us feel very happy for Christmas, so we thank him for that. <laughs> As, you know, it, it's obviously really good uh, that there are people out there doing, doing reviews and, yeah, and publicising other places. I think at the end of the day, we all want everybody in Reading to be out enjoying themselves and doing things. Yeah, and um, I do believe that Reading's a great place for an independent, because people do want to have more independent places where they um, um, can relax and, you know, there's something a bit different that's not so commercial, which you do see the same sort of shops in different towns everywhere. So it's kind of nice to be recognised yeah. for doing something a little bit different. So what, what's this like as a, as a venue? Because you're a bit out of town. It's taken me 15 yes. minutes to walk here. What's, I mean... What's it like as a venue? What kind of where do the, where do your customers come from? Okay, well, I think a lot of people do walk to us. We're very business orientated. So when we had the takeaway sandwich bar before, a lot of people would know about us because they'd come for their lunches um, from the businesses around the local area. Which we're really really lucky that there is a lot of businesses around here. But we're getting a bit more residential now. Now that we're open on a weekend, we do see new faces all the time. So um, I think parking is always going to be a little bit of a thing yeah, for us. Yeah. But people once they've come, they don't they definitely we do get to see people time and time again. We got a big regular um, clientele, which is really nice. But also, I think where we are in town means that we do have to have the the catering, so we do deliver yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'd say it's about half the business that we we um, take on a lot of catering. So during the week, even if it's quiet in the shop, we might be doing yeah. a lot of stuff in the kitchen, which is really nice. There's two sides to the business. So is there is there any sort of um, with with obviously the pub next door? They do they do lunches themselves. Has been any kind of 
feedback no. from them, or is it? Well, I think that mates? I think yeah, we get on really well with the moderation next door. We've always had a really nice relationship with them, and I think that just having businesses around the area that are doing well is also really good for us. So the more the merrier, really. Um, the better everyone else is doing, the better we're doing, really, because people come to this end of town. People know about us because they know about the moderation. We can kind of landmark ourselves because yeah. of them. So. So I should have asked Dan this as well. Um, but what's your favourite thing on the menu? What would you recommend anybody okay. coming for the first time? Okay, well, I would say that Dan has created an amazing menu. His Up and Atom is very popular. Talk He's, us through it. So the Up and Atom has got cilantro jalapeno sauce, which is what we created here, which is a really lovely sauce. And it's kind of... Um, got its own sort of uniqueness because he's got the poached eggs on the smashed avo with streaky bacon and the cilantro jalapeno sauce goes around pretty well with things with people but i'd say a lot of the breakfast items on the uh, menu are winners so i'm very happy it's got a very strong breakfast menu excellent um and i suppose so dan just uh, just bring you in there yeah um your favorite thing on the menu you, you can favorite. go for the same thing if you like, but you know, no, let, let's, let's no. take the opportunity. My favourite item is the Korean burrito. Um, it uh, consists of slow-cooked Korean beef, kimchi, raw slaw, a herb salad, hot rice, and uh, our secret hot sauce. Oh, I see, I want both of these, and I'm supposed to be watching what I'm eating. This isn't good. <laughs> no, you don't need to watch what you eat, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all fresh food, and yeah. that's the most important thing. When people say that about, um, oh, you know... Um, I'm, I'm looking at you know something really healthy. Well, we do actually cook everything fresh, so yeah. I would say it's good for you. Excellent. Well, that, that's great. So let me just bring you on to the last point that we were going to talk about. You know, what do you both love about Reading? What's the thing that you look forward to? What do you do? Um, what, what excites you around the town? Okay, well, I think that Reading has got a lot going for it. I think as a town, it's very multicultural. Yes. And there's um, lots of... It's, it's an ever-changing town. And Dan, what about you? What do I like about Reading? Um, I think there's a good vibe to Reading. It's a vibrant town. There's a lot going on. Um, lovely restaurants, lovely bars. I love the people in Reading as well. They're very down to earth, very, uh, very nice people. Um, for running a business in Reading, I kind of feel that it's a good kind of testing ground, to be honest with you, because whilst everybody's down to earth in Reading, they can be quite difficult to please. So I think if you're onto a winner in Reading, you're probably onto a winner elsewhere. I see. So that's, that's they have. Awesome. They know what they like. They know what they like. That's good. It's a good, yeah. good place to start. It is a good a place. restaurant. Yeah, nice. very much so. They know what they like and they know good food. See, well, Dan and Suze, thank you very much for your time. That was my interview with Dan and Suze Hollister, uh, the couple behind Richfield's Deli, the magnificent Richfield's Deli. Um, I strongly urge you pop down and try some of their new menu because it looks absolutely fantastic. Um, the final one is probably what I think is, is, is a bit of a jewel in Reading's crown. It is Reading Museum, based near the Town Hall in Reading Town Centre. Um, this was with curator Jess Freeland, and this was one where I got to go a little bit behind the scenes, walking and seeing you know, what kind of went on. Uh, we went up quite high in the building uh, to, to sort of find a space to have this chat, and it was, it was really good. Um, Reading Museum obviously is host to an awful lot of fascinating things, uh, and at the time they were kind of just branching out. It was just before sort of, I think it was just before Reading Abbey reopened and, and all of that and with um, you know news that Reading Jail may well be bid for again uh, and become part of this kind of uh, this quarter of this Abbey quarter which is 
which is very, very exciting, at least to me anyway. I thought it'd be nice to unearth this one. So have a listen. This is Jess Freeland from Reading Museum. How are you enjoying being on a podcast? Oh, a little bit nervous, I won't lie. <laughs> have you have you um, listened to any of our podcasts before? Um, shamefully, I haven't, but I'm sure I will now. <laughs> well, we'll 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 keep sending them to you after this. Um, so we're here to talk about Reading Abbey. We're at the very top of uh, the museum and town hall building. Um, yes. You've maybe walk up all of those stairs. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the, apparently, the lift's broken. Yes, it's out of order, unfortunately. But it's, it'll get you ready for your half marathon. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, very true. Very true. So, um, talk me through about talk me through the Reading Abbey um sorry the, when Reading Abbey reopens mm-hmm. um when, when does it reopen so we're very excited that we can announce that it opens on Saturday the 16th of June this year 2018 um we're teaming up with Waterfest so joining up with them so we'll have activities spreading from the Forbury all the way to Blake's Lock there'll be reenactors medieval civil war doing demonstrations there'll be historical crafts that you can have a go at as well as all of the crafts and and community stalls that you can see at Waterfest usually um but obviously the main attraction would be the ruins itself you'll be able to actually go inside um, and see them now that they've all been conserved which is, is really exciting and the celebrations they'll continue until the evening and we'll be revealing details of that um, over the next, next few months really oh, fantastic well that sounds that sounds really really exciting so Hopefully. <laughs> obviously there's been a, an extensive uh, conservation project mm-hmm. on the Abbey yeah. um, let's just be clear you've not put a roof on it or anything have no you? no and we always like to say it's conservation as well rather than restoration um, we're not rebuilding the Abbey unfortunately although that would be quite fun to to have a go at um it's yeah it's been conservation so unfortunately it's been closed for nine years now um closed in 2009 um because bits of flint were falling off too frequently and it was just too unsafe for the public to to go in so we've been just really working with specialists to um, make sure it's safe to to kind of put capping on the top so that the rain doesn't cause any damage and to put some more mortar in so that um, it's nice and secure so that when the public come back it's it's all safe so it's, it's quite a significant part of Reading's history, isn't it? I went on a tour around it when you opened for the for a couple of times. I think either last year or the mm-hmm. year before, 2015 maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's it's quite a significant site and it's got quite a history, hasn't Definitely. it? Definitely. Um, I think people yeah forget that it would have been one of the largest abbeys in the country. People We know places like Westminster Abbey in London, that's a kind of a burial place for kings, as was Reading. Um, it was the fourth largest in the country um, at the time of its closure. And I think it's really difficult for people to kind of comprehend that we'd have had this huge, beautiful building right in the town centre. Um, because there's, unfortunately, because there's so little of it left, it is trying to get... Um, trying to make people realise that. And it's had such an interesting history since its closure as well, obviously, in the we try to brand it as the Abbey Quarter. So Jane Austen obviously went to school in the in the Abbey Gateway and Oscar Wilde went to um, was imprisoned in the jail as well. So it's not just that medieval, really important medieval past, but it's we're trying to tell the story all the way up to the present day. That's, uh, that's that sounds really really interesting. So there, there's obviously, as, as, you, as you quite rightly said, there's, you know, there's quite a history to it. There's a few few celebs yes. that have been hanging around <laughs> a few as characters well. Characters in the quarter, yeah. Um, is there anything in the history that like really fascinates you? What what stands out for you? I find the, the story of the Hand of St James really interesting. Um, people would come from all over the country to see what would have been relics, including the Hand of St James, um, and they they would have come. They would have processed round. Um, 
the town would have built up around the abbey to deal with these pilgrims that were visiting. Um, catering was a big like, industry in medieval Reading, so hospitality, which we think of as quite a modern industry. Um, so like little sausage rolls and chicken Basically, and yeah, yeah, go to McDonald's. Um, <laughs> uh, and that would have been the same in medieval Reading, and I think that's quite a, a, a fun idea. Um, to think about. What was the Hand of St James? So the Hand of St James is basically what it says on the tin. Um, I said tin, tin. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was supposedly the Hand of St James the Apostle um, and relics would have been um, holy, holy bits of people basically, which sounds a bit horrible but um, the, hand, yeah, the Hand of St James um, supposedly is thought to have been the Hand of St James the Apostle um, and because of his relationship with Jesus would have been a very would have been a real attraction for people to come, for pilgrims to come see at the Abbey. Um, again, whether it would have been the, the real hand of St James, I think there's meant to be quite a few of them dotted around Europe of different places claiming to, to have the real one. Um, but nevertheless, it still brought thousands of people um, flocking to, to Reading. Wow. So, yeah, so as, as you say, the whole kind of town would have built up around basically tourism yeah basically and and um the abbey would have really influenced town planning so different streets would have been laid out to draw people from um the area um around st mary's butt so the the original market would have been there and then it moved to the marketplace uh, near the museum now um and so they laid out new roads to draw people to the abbey so to draw the emphasis um eastwards basically so just talking about the the big opening on saturday the 16th of june yep. uh, what have you got planned sorry yeah, you mentioned Waterfest, but but so someone cutting the ribbon oh yeah yeah so we'll hopefully have um the mayor coming to, to cut the ribbon um and other key people that have been involved with the project um obviously the project's funded by the heritage lottery fund as well as reading borough council so key people from uh, from there will be invited to hopefully cut the ribbon and we'll all flock in but what will be really exciting this year was really seeing the site brought to life with people in costumes um and actually have it being able to have a go at um activities that would have been around at the time um being able to meet a medieval monk or a, a civil war soldier or uh, Queen Elizabeth I or something like that I think will be really exciting for people to get involved with. So um, and, and what, what would you say is, is kind of uh, the big reason to come down to Reading Abbey? What, what, would, what would draw you in as a, as a paying punter so to speak? Um, well, firstly, it'll be free. Excellent. <laughs> so, well, that's, that's yeah, So you won't need to be a paying... It'll be completely free to access um, and I think it's just... Um, a lot of people in Reading don't realise the significance of the history that we've got right on our doorstep. Um, and I think when you go into the space, if you haven't had a chance to um, since it's been closed, um, is it really is kind of a serenity to it. Um, and you do understand how much history has taken place here. And I think it's something that we can really be proud of, hopefully, when, when it reopens, is... Um, and hopefully start putting Reading on the map. And as well as the Abbey, obviously, the, the, the museum's the museum's very busy at the moment. It's very busy downstairs. It's yes. half term currently, um, and you've got a few things going on uh, going forward over the summer as well. Yeah. So um, once we've had the, the Abbey launch, that's going to kickstart a whole program of events organised. Um, by, by the museum um, we'll have regular tours these will be for general audience and families some of these will be costumed as well um, we'll have costumed interpretation so at different museum activities out in the ruins so we'll try to get everyone outside but again you'll see kind of perhaps Empress Matilda walking around um, walking around the site um, and we're also really excited that this year we'll be offering um, with Thames River Cruises trips um, around the town centre um, and stopping off at the Abbey which will 
be a, a new side that would have been a really um, important part of the Abbey's kind of history, the kind of the riverside, and so hopefully that will be brought to life um, with these regular events as well. So is the Abbey going to be open all week, or is it just a weekend? Thing? No, so it'll be open all the, all the time. In the same way, think of it as like the four, an extension of the Forbury Garden, so it'll kind of be locked up at dawn and dusk, again, completely free to access, um, and it'll be really a community space that people can visit. We'll, um, we're encouraging people to use it, so we've got interested theatre companies, um, food festivals like Blue Collars hoping to go in, in oh, uh, later in the year. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully it'll become a real... Kind of community hub once we reopen fantastic so is it when you when you get there talk me through what happens when you get there is it so i walk i walk down to the mm-hmm. abbey and i can just walk in and walk around yes or? of course yeah com- yeah completely accessible um we've got some really exciting new in, um information panels that are going into the ruins which will explain um what it would have looked like which is a key thing um and again the significance of the site and what's happened here um but what's really exciting is that these panels aren't just going into the ruins they're going in across the abbey court and they're going in across the town as well um you may have spotted one outside the back of john lewis at st mary's church that was our trial one so we wanted to make sure that, that people had a chance to comment and uh, give us our feedback so the final versions will be installed ready for the for the launch in June and that will again draw people to the Abbey but also make people look around the town a bit more differently um, and see the history around them so it's not just about the actual the ruins themselves we want to tell the um, about its relationship with the town and um, get everyone involved that way as well. Great so it's going to spread a little bit further That's, that sounds excellent. Um, I just wanted to ask you, it's been a big couple, it's certainly been a big 2018 already for the museum, I think. Um, you had a bit of social media success with the Bayer Tapestry and the announcement uh, between France and uh, that mm-hmm. France was willing to lend the Bayer Tapestry to England, which is mm-hmm. obviously very nice of them. Yep. But of course, you've got your own one, haven't you? Yes, it was It was quite funny. I remember seeing the, the announcement quite late on the night before and thinking, oh gosh, yeah, we're going to get a lot of, lot of interest today and tomorrow. Um, and it was just really lovely, I think, that how many people really just stood up and kind of said, you know what, don't worry, we've got one already in Reading. Um, and I thought that, yeah, it was, it was really lovely to see the amount of people, even that perhaps, even that aren't in Reading, that were just saying, oh, don't worry, we've already got one in England, we don't need the French <laughs> one. Um, and, yeah, the interest was, was very funny, was people suggesting that we kind of put them up next to each other and playing spot the difference with the uh, kind of our nice prude yes, Victorian absolutely. one with the pants on and the kind of more heathen <laughs> copy in France um, and yeah no it was it was it, it was really nice to see such such interest and support of the museum and our and our collections that we've got here great so when talk just um, just uh, just to finish off mm-hmm. um, if I can get my words out uh, just to finish off uh, the museum is open all the time it is open Tuesday to Saturday uh, 10 till 4 um, and check our opening uh, our website for opening hours in, in half term for example we opened we had a special Monday opening this half term because we knew people wanted to get in but yeah Tuesday to Saturday 10 till 4 we're open it's completely um, free to access obviously we do gratefully receive donations we have a, a wide variety of activities um, for all ages to get involved with but um, you can see them on our on our website uh, readingmuseum.org.uk but if you want to know more about the Abbey project or what we've got going on on the Abbey site it's readingabbeycorter.org.uk as well. Jess, thanks very much. Thank you.
And that's it, really. Um, I thought you might enjoy some of those interviews from way back in 2018. Um, we'll see what's going on next week. I'm I'm off for a week. We are we are finally moving house. A little bit of personal news for you there. So um, we'll see what comes next week. Um, but you know, keep it subscribed. Keep it real reading podcast, and we will see you again soon. Bye. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast.